As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus, both of The Athletic. Mark, hello, Mon- what's it, Monday afternoon? It is Monday afternoon. You're prepared, aren't you? Yes, yes, obviously. Um, we're slightly more prepared than we were in the past. We're, we're getting there. We actually have <laughs> Prepar- like a rundown now and emails <laughs> and voicemails. Overrated. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was outside today. I was running around doing some errands, um, delivering some things, and like all the ground right now is like the ice in Lake Tahoe. Like everywhere you step, you just sink, and there's a hole here, and you're gonna trip here, and there's some slippery ice there, and there's some slush there, and every step you take in the Chicago area right now, you never know what you're gonna get. It's just a big box of chocolates out there. Yeah, um, I, I we still have layers of ice here still in some points, so I, uh, um. Yeah, it kind of depends on. You know what I'm dreading? Like, like, like the, it looks like most of the snow is going to melt this week. How much dog shit is in my backyard right now <laughs> under this snow? Like, it's going to all melt, and then I'm going to have to. It's just going to be just. It's going to be just nasty. I'm dreading like months of it. Just months piled up under all this snow. I'm just looking forward to our garbage, uh, our garbage pickup being able to actually come and pick it up because <laughs> I feel like every week it's been a fight with them as of late just uh, them figuring out whether it, they can find a path to the dumpster or not. It's so. tough to get down the alley sometimes, you know. We have yeah. the same problem. No, it is. So, um, so hockey. Uh, it's been a while. They haven't played in like 16 days, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, like it's been – get so used to like the every other day, uh, every day other stay schedule. Um, and this was interesting. This was obviously an unexpected – uh, a break considering uh, and this was going to bound to happen right like the Blackhawks weren't going to have and this was even their fault this time but yeah. uh, 
that they needed to get Tampa play playing, and so they postponed the Carolina Blackhawks game and and moved it to TBD. Um, and, and it gives the Blackhawks an extra day, which which was interesting about this is they were like it was this whole big road trip, and and they were supposed to play. They're going to play Carol, uh, Columbus tomorrow, and then instead of returning to Chicago and having a few days that they uh, yeah they stayed in they stayed in Carolina and they went out to Columbus, and so it's uh, they they've kept on the road trip. And in normal times, I think they just come back and and everything's fine. But well, now it's different. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's weird because even when it was just supposed to be two days off between Carolina and Columbus, they would normally come home. You get a day and a half at home. You practice at home on Monday, and then you hop on the plane. You get to Columbus at night the night before. That's a normal schedule. I, I actually asked Jeremy Colleton this yesterday. I'm like, does the fact that it's easier to avoid COVID on the road when you're sequestered in these like you know supermax uh, security hotels? Uh, does that weigh into it? And he kind of laughed, but he didn't really say no. He just said, you know, this is kind of the plan. And since we were already on the road and, you know, even with the extra day off, it's not like they're flying United and they have to like switch, you know, pay a $200 change fee. They could have just gone home on Saturday. They could have been home these last three days. They chose to stay on the road. And I, I bet you that some of that is there. It's, it's easier to avoid COVID when you're not around your families. You're not going to the grocery store. You're stuck in a hotel. You're, you're much more regulated and sequestered. I think that that probably plays a factor in. Yeah, I guess it's weighing that, and I, I'm always just thinking the mental health part of this too. Like it's got a like I think being on the road just sucks for these guys right now. Like you you can't do anything at home, but at least you're in your own environment. And and I, I know they set up like a road uh, like a lounge room or something, but there's just so little they can do on um, on the road. And and it sucks like when when you're in Florida and Carolina and places that are probably warmer, and you're probably limited to what you can even do outdoors. So. Um, and this is a long trip. This is the length of a circus trip or the ice show trip back in the days. They're on the road for 12 or 13 days here. I mean, a lot of these guys have, have babies at home. And, you know, so that's a, it's a big ask to have them be on the road that yeah. long. No, even, I mean, for Colleton this season, the fact that him and his family decided to, uh, you know, for his family to stay in Canada and for him to do this, uh, you know, when he goes home, like, I'm sure he's, he's just working 24-7 for the most part. And certainly FaceTime and technology makes these things easier. But it's... it's Maybe that's why the Blackhawks are better this year. Jeremy Colleton's family <laughs> was in the way. Yeah. My column, colon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, mental, I guess the mental health part of that just, it's, it's, yeah, some of that just seems so hard and I, I can't even imagine, um, imagine some of this. I know they're paid well and everything, but it's, it's still, it's still got to weigh on people at times. Um, from a new standpoint, Connor Murphy was skating. He has been skating on the trip. Sounds like, you know, I, 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 I you know, Carlton said today that he, you know, didn't have a, a firm answer on when he's going to play, but I, I would suspect he's back in the lineup for the next game. Uh, it'll lead to some interesting decisions. You know, they placed Lucas Carlson today on IR, and he sounds like he's going to be out two weeks. So he's obviously one defenseman um, out. And, and I, I wonder maybe if Bodan, considering his last game wasn't great, maybe he sits. Um, but it when, when they're healthy, like there's uh, – and, and I guess, I mean, this is what they always say is that they're never usually always healthy in those you know decisions, you know, as much as we plan for them or as much as they plan for them, it doesn't always have to be made that way in, in Carlson's injuries part of that but um it you know like it's certainly weighing like how much the veterans want to play them and how much ice time you want to get the young guys and and some of that'll come into play here as as they do get healthy yeah i mean with with dylan strome going into concussion protocol which you never want to see and it sounds like it's he suffered this maybe a few games ago and just really 
started noticing symptoms later, kudos to him for speaking up about it. That's something that athletes are often very reluctant to do, to admit that they're having symptoms. But maybe with him out, you know, it becomes one of those situations where you want to play Kane 29 minutes again because you're missing some offense, and you go 11-7 again. That way you can kind of ease Murphy back into it. You can play Bodan as much or as little as you want, depending on how he's feeling, how he's playing that day. Uh, Colleton's shown that 11-7 doesn't bother him anymore, so that's always an option. But uh, getting Murphy back, that's a big deal because he's been their best defenseman this year. Uh, Duncan Keith has played well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to slight Duncan Keith, but Murphy's been the guy. He's been their best all-around defenseman. Uh, he plays in you know uh, big penalty-killing minutes, which is important, especially as the power play kind of uh, flags a little bit. You need to have that PK high. Um, so his return's a big deal. I mean, when you, when you heard he was injured and they say 10 to 14 days, you wonder, well, is it going to really wind up being like three weeks or more than that? And then, you know, in a season like this, that's a, a huge chunk of the season. So to get him back and healthy, that's a really big deal. He's a guy who's battled injuries his whole career. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's good to see him able to bounce back quick from, uh, from the, uh, what was it? It was a hip injury, right? Yeah. Hip, yeah right. I think right hip. What's interesting too is that I, I think ultimately it's it, when you play teams like Carolina and some of these teams like size matters still you know like I, I feel like there's some teams and, and we're also seeing that and as the season goes on that you know who, who's really good and, and probably who's not in this division and and, and I think Florida um, yeah I'm curious to see I, I guess the Blackhawks play Florida again because they you know they were just starting out but I, I think certainly Carolina and and Tampa and, and it appears to be Florida they're sort of those elite teams and. Um, I think having size, you know, especially you see how Carolina was able to bother the Blackhawks with their with their aggressive forecheck, and I, and I think some of that comes down to being undersized defensemen and losing those pucks, and um, and I think you know, and I know a lot of fans are even saying that you know, you know, Bodan's come, you know, as well as he's played, and and Mitchell and and, and Carlson, and you have Kalnick, and you know, they're saying maybe trade trade Dehan at the the trade deadline, or, or you sit someone like that, or Sadorov. Like, there, there's still a balance of how much size they need in the lineup because I, I I I still question how many of those young guys you can put together, and um and it could work in some games, but I I think more often than not, it's gonna there's gonna be some struggles, and um you know, Carlton's put Carlson and uh I think he had Carlson and uh, Mitchell or I forget he, he you know he, he there's a couple times there are a couple pairings where he'll go small for a little bit for the most part he he tries to stay away from it though and he and he, he's mostly a larger defenseman with with one of those undersized defensemen and I think there's a balance to that so I um yeah I'm, I'm sort of wary of the Blackhawks uh yeah like if they'll ever do that whether you'll ever see them go small because I think most of the the top defensemen still in their system are smaller guys I mean you guys have Velasic and Regula and some guys coming up but the guys that are are knocking on the door right now are, are still mostly you know smaller than your probably average defenseman yeah you had uh you know Mitchell was with Keith and Keith's not a big guy but obviously he's Duncan freaking Keith and you had uh Bodan was with Zadorov I believe and Boquist and Carlson were both playing with Dahan who's got some size and some veteran savvy to him so yeah it's been kind of that you know that uh the May December partnerships that they've been going with because all these young guys are little they don't have any big young guys currently in in the lineup and you know you've been talking about this for years now is like well what happens if all these guys do turn out to be good but they're all 511 170 pounds how do you ice a team like that with six guys like that and that's that's why they went out and got Zadorov and I know everyone is you know 
nitpicking Zadorov, and a lot of it's fair. When whenever the puck's on his stick, it's 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 dangerous. It's it bad things happen, but you know he has an ability to to, to shut down plays and to steer guys away from the net and, and, and toward the boards, and that's the kind of thing that he can do because he's just huge. He's a big, strong guy, and you know these these young guys they have coming up, Mitchell and Bodan and Boquist, they they don't have that ability because they just don't have the strength to do that. So you do need some mix of that. And, you know, everyone who says just get rid of Dahan, get these young guys in there, get rid of Zadorov, uh, y- you can't field a team with six Adam Boquist on it. It's just not going to work. Carlton had a lot of, you know, when you mentioned Strom with the concussions today and, and, and Jeremy Carlton basically went into his own personal experiences. And I, and I think it's really interesting whenever he's done this. Um, and he mentioned, you know, that he was asked about the baseline test with Strom and whether that's, you know, Strom you know, basically alluded, you know, alluded that the test and, and he said, you know, when he was taking the test that he could ace at any at any point he wants and and how it was really up to him often to, to admit that he was feeling feeling the symptoms and it, it just it, it just it's real just it brought some light to you know like as far as the NHL has come and and as as you know concussion testing has come, like it's still it's still something that can you know, you can still cheat the system. You can still bypass yeah. all these things and um, and, and he mentioned, like, he, he had a great quote about just, you know, how, um, especially if you're playing well at NHL, like, you'll you'll do anything to rationalize that, you know, what I'm feeling isn't isn't legit, you know, and, and, and you, you know, like, there's such a fear that coming out of the lineup, you know, how long it'll, it'll take to get back in, um, and, you know, that he just, yeah, I don't know, he, you know, he, he gave a lot of, um, you know, he, he gave props to Strom to mentioning, you know, saying something was wrong where he certainly, you know, like the, the staff hasn't been able to tell that, you know, something that was in the baseline test was wrong or anything. And just, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was, you know, I, I put some of it in our, uh, you know, if, if readers want to check out the real time app and, and the athletic, I, I try to put some of the quotes in there, but it, it was really interesting. And I, you know, Colleton, the fact that his own career was, uh, you know, ended because of concussions, I think he brings a lot of personal um, yeah, personal experience. To, yeah, to those he, things. you know, he said to you, his quote was, you know, it was terrible. He's like, you have an internal struggle almost by the minute. How am I feeling? Am I inventing this? Is this real? Am I going to feel better in 20 minutes? I mean, you know, before I had this job, I used to write about high school football here in Northwest Indiana. And I was, I wrote extensively about head injuries at the youth level. And it's the same thing. You know, if you're playing for uh, Griffith High School uh, at the Boneyard, you're not making $6 million a year to do that. But you're this is same the same mindset where these kids don't want to admit that there's something wrong because you never want to come out of the lineup. It's just an athlete thing. It doesn't matter how elite an athlete you are. You're, you're you're competitive and you want to be out there and you don't want to let your teammates down. You don't want to admit weakness. That's a big part of this. Is this this stupid idea, this masculine idea of admitting weakness? And uh, it's good to see. I remember with Vinny Henestrosa a few years ago, he was talking openly about it. You're seeing these younger guys that come into the league. They're much more aware of, 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 of head injuries, the symptoms that they'd be looking for, and they're, they're comfortable enough to admit it when they don't feel right. And that's a huge step forward in, in sports in general, but especially in hockey, which is just, you know, it beats you over the head since you're five years old to never show weakness, to never, you know, you play through pain. You just, you just go out there and you deal with it. It's really heartening to see that players will step up and say, you know what? I don't feel right. I got hit a couple of games ago and I don't feel right right now. That takes a lot of courage to say that in the NHL because, you know, there's still that old school stigma attached to, to admitting weakness. But the more players are willing to say, uh, to speak up about their symptoms, the safer the sport's going to become. And that's all you want. You want Dylan Strone to be playing for 15 years. You don't want him to endure what Jeremy Colleton went through. And you, sometimes you can't control it. 
It's not that Jeremy Colleton went out and put himself at risk. He just had a, a, a series of concussions, and it's awful. But it's good to see that you know you have a coach who's a young coach who's ex- experienced this, who's not out there like you know Don Cherrying it and demanding that you play hurt. You know he's encouraging his guys to speak up because he knows exactly what they went through. That's a big deal to a young player to have a coach who understands that. We saw that with how emotionally he was about Andrew Shaw going into pro, uh, concussion protocol because he knows exactly exactly what Andrew Shaw went through last year and how awful it is. Have, have you had any concussions? I had three of them in college. Um, they, one of them was uh, relatively severe. The other two were uh, deemed mild. But, um, you know, uh, they're, they're, they could be scary. I mean, you could, you could spend a couple of days where you just you have headaches and you, you can't turn on the lights. And, you know, I had this weird thing where I, I went to the school paper and I was writing gibberish, basically. I thought I was writing a, field, a women's field hockey story at the Daily Northwestern. And I was writing gibberish, basically, and they sent me home. I mean, sometimes you could feel okay, and you're not okay. It's a, the, the brain is a terrifying thing, and it's so unknown still that you really need to be aware of yourself. And I think pro athletes are more and more aware of it now than they ever have been. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah I don't know if I've. Uh, I feel like I've had concussion like some symptoms. I've never had anything that's like been persistent. So yeah, that's, it's hard. You you don't have to get elbowed in the head to get a concussion. That's the thing. I mean, it's 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 scary. When you realize how delicate you know the human body really is, yeah. Now I, just, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he had mentioned how his uh, his wife's brother had like eight concussions when he was a child playing soccer, and it just it was just like, yeah, I, I don't know what I want to bring my daughter into yeah, sports, you know, you know like what, right. what what sport? Well, you know, you know what the, the the you know football is obviously in youth sports. Football is the most concussion uh, uh, prevalent sport. The second one is girls basketball. Because if you ever watched a girls' basketball game, there's a lot of colliding, a lot of you know, people falling to the floor. You know, soccer is a big because of uh, all the headers that yeah. happen. But I, I was surprised to learn some sports that you wouldn't think, like you wouldn't think that girls' basketball would be dangerous, but it's got a very high prevalence of concussions just because of the, the physical play down low. That's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, Maeve, uh, my daughter probably won't be playing any sports. So. Mine plays um. tennis. <laughs> She'll have bad knees, that's all. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, I thought the, you know, we, when it was the, uh, the quarter point of the season, we didn't really, I guess, get into too many details of the team. And I thought now that we're basically about a third in the season, maybe we can, uh, break it down a little bit more and some of the surprises, how the team's trending and looking into some of the analytics. Um, you know, obviously them, they've been winning and I, and I think they're surprising a lot of people. Um, and when you when you look at the numbers, a lot of it's based on uh, based on based on special teams and and certainly winning in in, in overtime. Now, um, 
I don't know. Where, where do you? I mean, the five on five numbers are slightly better. Um, and, and they're I still feel not like, good though. They're fifth yeah, worst in the league in a, in a lot of categories. They're in the yeah. bottom five. And and I feel like, but it's always like it's like how much do you balance those numbers with you know like the fact that they're missing two top centers and that's sure uh, and like that feels like a large part of the equation. So like I'm always torn. Like I like I think it's important to ask what details and we get into specifics, but it's also like. Uh, you know, five on five, they want to get better, but there, there's limitations to this team. Now you got, you know, like you, you took out Doc and Taves and and then and even Nylander, who, who probably would have been the top six scorer. You know, like it's people get the, the, so the, mad when we mention Nylander in the same breath <laughs> know, as Taves and Doc. I'm by the apprehensive way, to do that. I, I, I do it for fun now, just to throw it in there. But it's, I mean, he was still, he was, I think he was among the top scorers at least in five on five yeah. scoring last year. Like he, he. As as inconsistent as he was, he still provided offense. And um, I, I look at it this way: I mean, the everything this season has to be taken with some kind of grain of salt. You know, even if the Blackhawks were 100 percent healthy, this is a weird schedule. It's uh, weird travel situations. You're playing in sterile, empty arenas, and then you factor in the Hawks are missing their top two centers and Alex Nylander, and uh, you know, they're playing all these young guys in prominent roles that they wouldn't be playing otherwise. You have to take every number with a grain of salt. But there are. You, know, you look at the five-on-five five numbers, and, and, and you know Columbus is a team that's kind of on the same level as Chicago this year, I would say. I think that's a fair comparison. They've played pretty even battles. You look at the five-on-five five numbers, you know the Hawks have been outscored 37-27 to 27 at five-on-five. Five. That's bad. But Columbus has been outscored 45-40. to 40. And we talk so much about how the, def- the, the Blackhawks were playing these track meets and giving up so much. You know They're not giving up a lot this year. They've given up 13 fewer five-on-five goals. There are a few teams in the league that have played as many games as they have. I'm not sure there's any teams that have – yeah, looking at it right now, there's no team in the league that has played as much in the same ballpark as they have that's given up as few goals. That's a huge step in the right direction in terms of this you know, this new team identity and, and Jeremy Colleton's you know, in, infamous system and all that. They're, they're shutting down other teams. They are, they are the bet-the-under team. And last year it was always bet the over. If you're on bet MGM right now, bet the under on the Blackhawks. They've got good goaltending. They're playing pretty good team defense. They're not generating a lot, but they're not giving up a lot. They give up a lot of shots still, but the quality of shots they're giving is significantly down from last year. And that's a huge step in the right direction. When you think about how the two centers they've lost are two two-way guys. Doc and Taves play a lot of defense. And they're not there, and this team has taken a dramatic improvement in what they give up. That's that's what you hang your hat on if you're me. So the Blackhawks are 20th in goals against per 60 minutes uh, in five by five, and then um, which which is an improvement. And the funny the goals for is they're they're second worst in the league at 1.77. So they're obviously yeah, they not producing much, right? Um, and uh, the shots against per uh, they're second worst in the league in shots against per 60 minutes 32.7 which i believe is a slight improvement upon last year um i believe the high danger stuff's a little bit better um it's it's it, it, it's incremental i mean nobody i don't think anybody expected them to come in here and be no no i was just i was just doing the yeah. per 60 to kind of get a better sense of if, if you go from dead last to 20th to 21st that's a huge improvement in this league yeah, and that's no, not especially when you're you know, when you were playing. They played nine rookies one game. I mean, they're playing seven, eight rookies a night, and they're improving that much. That's encouraging. I was looking at the evolving hockey too, and some of their uh, the gar the, the goals above replacement, warm mm-hmm. above replacement. And um, I, I don't think we've talked about how good. Del- I mean, I know we've touched upon it, but Alex DeBrink is one of the top players in the NHL right now. Like on a lot yeah. of these analytics, like he's. 
Um, one, he's starting to score some goals, so it helps. But defensively, and you know, I got a little bit into the the Kane piece, and we mentioned in our last uh, last game observation thing about him being in the top ten in takeaways. But he's just he's at a different level. Like he's he's at what five point six gar the goals above replacement, which is almost. Two uh, two points higher than anyone on the Blackhawks, and I think he, I think he's in the. I'd have to look at the NHL, but I think it's in the top ten, top fifteen in the NHL in that category. And um, and he's and, scoring and, goals and he's setting up goals. He's create. I mean, it's not just you know. Well, the number, the underlying numbers are good. Like the actual numbers are really good too. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to yeah. see him converting, and he is making everyone around him better. He has been a beast. Yeah, this is the the actual goals above replacement. So this not even expected numbers, but. Uh, it's funny because Kubalik's not really producing a five on five, but he's actually second in the goals above replacement at three point seven. And a lot of it's because he's he's the power play is just really good whenever he's on the ice. And yeah. I, I wonder if if Colleton, I, I know that he's probably never going to make that second unit the top unit, but it's almost you feel like that second unit's just worthy of more time. Like they Kubalik just anytime he gets the puck, he shoots and he usually creates a rebound or something. Like he's just he's so good at and and and, and this is and he. Colleton probably won't do it at this point now that the Brinkett and Kane are playing, but I, I haven't seen Kane with Col- uh, Kubalik a whole lot this year, and and those numbers have always been pretty good in the past. And it's it's probably again it's probably a, a moot point with with how to well the Brinkett and Kane are playing together. But um, and I think Kubalik's one of those guys who's like he he's been trying to play him with Strom, and and Strom's had some ups and downs, and maybe the concussion has a reason for it. But and they, and, they just you know, they don't they don't lack that they. They don't have a lot of players, uh, high skilled players that can play with someone like Kubalik, or you just you, you don't see well, that. Well, that's, balance that's the dilemma. Lineup. The dilemma that the Hawks have faced for a couple of years now is Strom is good when he plays with Alex Dabrinkit. He's not that good when he plays with somebody else. And as you wrote in that great piece about you know that that kind of new you know uh, telekinesis they've got between Kane and Dabrinkit, that's probably going to be your 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 top line left and right wing for the foreseeable future for years to come. And where does that leave Dylan Strom? Because Dylan Strom's not going to center that line. It hasn't, you know, Colton routinely goes away from the three of them as a unit. So where does Strom fit? Because he's at his best when he's playing with his Wonder Twin, and now his Wonder Twin has been stolen by another Wonder Twin. And uh, it, it's a tough it's a tough spot for Strom because he is a good, really good, solid playmaker. Uh, who, who who creates and generates, but he does it when he's playing with Alex Dabrinkit, and he hasn't shown he can do it consistently with other players yet. Um, the other thing is, here, let's see, the expected uh, expected gar, the expected goals above replacement, and gar and the, Peter, and the and the the actual one, the Duncan Keats, the worst on the team in both an expected and actual. Um, and it's and yeah, he's pretty far down there, and it never feels like that, considering how much ice time he gets, and he's always noticeable. And some of it may be defensive pairing, like um, his numbers know, across like, the board are pretty, you know, from high danger chances to expected goals to Corsi to you know, it, his PDO is really low. So you, you figure some of this will regret, but again, it's a short season, and you know the the math isn't always going to correct itself this year. He, you know, he's on the ice a lot. And the Blackhawks still give up a fair bit, and he bears the brunt of a lot of that. And that's one of the challenges for the Blackhawks is like I, I feel like in Kirby Doc they have Taves' successor, right? And um, I, I don't think they have that for Duncan Keith. Like it's Connor Murphy stepped up, but at the end of the day, Connor Murphy doesn't drive a whole lot of offense still. Yeah. Um, like he's gotten better at it certainly. Um, 
and, and looking at his expected numbers, they're actually pretty good. But it's not like Murphy produces a whole lot. And, um, you know, Mitchell has the makings of it, I think, as well as he skates. But it, it takes some time. Like, I, I think... I think that's still one of the greatest challenges for the Blackhawks. Like Duncan Keith can obviously still play at a high level, and it just it's it's finding a way to reduce those minutes. I mean, Carlton, uh, I think he's mindful of it, but he, at the end of the day, like he's Duncan Keith is still reliable. He skates as well. He does, you know, like he doesn't yeah. appear to get tired. Like there's a lot of things why you lean on Duncan Keith still, but I, I think in time that they need to they need to figure out another, uh, you know, ways to to. Yeah, just to give him less ice time, you know? Like, it's 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 37, and you're still playing him 26 minutes Well, a game, God, I, I feel like we've talked about that for years. You know, get him off the power play and, you know, maybe lessen his penalty-killing minutes and try to get him to 20, 21 instead of 23, 24 minutes a night. We've been talking about that since he was, like, 34. It's it just it, it, every year it comes back to, well, well, they need him. And I don't think they necessarily need him on the power play. They've got enough guys that can quarterback a power play. You can put Boquist there. You can put Bo Dan back there. You can give Ian Mitchell a bigger chance back there. You do not have to have... Duncan Keith is not a great power play quarterback. He never has been. He doesn't have a big shot. He doesn't have a knack for getting it through. You know, know, when he's creating, it's, you know... It's in transition. It's, it's, you know, he's just not, he doesn't have the big Brent Seabrook shot back there and he doesn't have the accuracy, even like a Michael Roosevelt. Oh, I loved when he was on the power play because his shot always made it through to the goalie and created rebounds. It was one of those weird, uncanny ability he had. Duncan Keith's never been great at that, but he always becomes the default. Like, okay, it's not working. We'll put Duncan Keith back there. And I think that, you know, Jeremy Colleton should go young and just have Bodan and Boquist and Mitchell, those are your three power play guys. That takes two, three, four minutes off Duncan Keith's plate every single night and should make him better at five-on-five five and more effective on the penalty kill. How, how much do you think of it is just Carlton not wanting to, yeah, I don't, maybe disrespect Duncan Keith? Like, I'm sure Duncan Keith wants to be on that power play, you know? But he hasn't always been on it. I mean, they've taken him off it before. They, they demoted him to the, the second unit. I mean, he he's never really been the number one power play guy around here. That was always Seabrook. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't... I mean, Keith wants to play. He wants to play 25 minutes. He likes to play 25. Every defenseman wants to play like that. But I think you need to see, and you sit him down. Hey, Colleton's the great communicator, right? You sit him down. You say, hey, look, we're going to take this off your plate and see if it makes you better at five on five and makes you a better all-around player. Duncan Keith's a big boy. He might be pissed about it, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be, you know, overturning tables in the uh, locker room about it. I think that, I think that's a, a, a smart strategy and one that could actually make Duncan Keith a better player. I think in the long run, he might agree. Uh, we have, uh, some emails and a voicemail again. Thank you for everyone that, who's leaving, who are leaving those. Uh, and if you want to email us, it's lazempowers at gmail.com. And our phone number is, uh, 714-759-4529. Uh, we have an email from Stuart Griffiths, Griffith. Uh, hey guys, how long do you? <laughs> Reading is hard. <laughs> well, there's an S on Griffiths, so it's just it's 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 a different. I'm not using. There's Griffiths. a lot of consonants in there, yeah. <laughs> it reads, "Hey guys, how long do you think we haven't have to wait until this team is a genuine cup contender? Will it be too late for the core to have one last cup run? Which was better, 2010, 13, or 15? Did we did we write? I forget did we write well, that story. Well, uh, yeah, we, I, yeah, I think we did. I, I think I spent, <laughs> I spent, I spent basically the first three months of the pandemic just trafficking nostalgia, just so I had something to write about. 
I mean, in my in my mind, is clear. Twenty thirteen was the best of the three teams. I know twenty ten loyalists get mad at me when I say that, but uh, the most impressive win was twenty fifteen because that team had no business winning the cup at all. They won just by sheer you know willpower. Um, is it too late for the core to have one last cup run? It is not. This is hockey, and things change really quickly in hockey, where you go from shitty to really good in a hurry. And are the Blackhawks going to be able to do that? Because that window is what next year and the year after that. You know, and what do you consider the core right now? The core right now is Kane and Keith. That's all it's there. Seabrook, we don't know what his situation is. Taves, we don't know what his situation is. But could this team become a true Stanley Cup contender in the next two to three years? It's a big ask, but I, you know, this is the NHL. Every team, except for maybe like the really poorly run ones, like, you know, the Ottawa's and the Arizona's of the world, can become a legitimate Stanley Cup contender in two to three years. Vegas did it its first year. So yeah, they could be. It could happen. I wouldn't expect it to happen. I think that the core has it in them. I think Kane is good enough, and he's he could play long enough that he could. Keith is thirty-seven. Seabrook and Taves, we don't know, but uh, it, it's a big ask. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, they need. I mean, this is why Doc missing the season is so you know just it's so hurtful for them. Just to, and he he was he was on the verge of something, and to lose this year of development, like they need Doc to be a an elite player when he comes back and they certainly need need Nylander to take that step. Uh, I'm writing something about Lucas Reichel for tomorrow and it sounds like he's I mean he's he's pretty legit and um I uh, yeah I just it was it was I, I watched one of his recent games and then talked to his coach and I talked to Stan Bowman about him recently too. So I, I don't know if he's in the lineup next year. I, I think it's a possibility but he, he's certainly trending um I think there's a lot of positive traits to his game and um, but yeah, you, you need, you need some of these guys, you need Boquist to, like, you need Boquist to take another step, right? Like you need some of those defensemen to take some of those ice time and you need some of them to be, um, uh, those elite. I mean, when you, when you look around the NHL, you know, it's, it's, it's still those young guys that are, uh, it's a lot of young guys stepping up, uh, you know, uh, around the league, especially as defensemen early on. So the Blackhawks certainly have some guys that they have the potential, but they need, they need to, them to evolve and, uh, yeah, elite defensemen. So. Um, second question is from Eric Hansen. Uh, you did an article last year on the potential return the Hawks would get if they traded one of the core. Cool premise with the opinions from executive scouts around the league, but seems unlikely to happen. I'd love to see the same article written about players that are more likely to get dealt. Thinking of Dehan, Murphy, Zadorov, Yanmark, Soderberg, Strom, etc. The valuation from sort. They're not trading Zadorov. Uh, the valuation from uh, sources around the league on these players would be really interesting, and in how. And how would it change for guys like DeHaan and Strom if they were dealt in the offseason versus at the deadline? Well, I, I mean, that, this is the question the Hawks are going to face. I mean, I think entering this year, we all saw Yanmark and Walmark like, oh, those are guys who are just going to flip at the deadline because they're going to be terrible this year. So why wouldn't they? They'll just get more picks and prospects. But then you start seeing, well, Yanmark kind of fits in here. And, you know, DeHaan is playing well. And, you know, he's healthy and he's, 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 he's having a, a positive impact on the young guys. Murphy might be your best defenseman. So I, I think the, the mild success, and again, March schedule is absolutely brutal. The Hawks are going to look a little less successful at the end of March, probably through no fault of their own. They play Tampa, I think, fourteen thousand times. But I think that the the, the success, the, the modest success that they have had, changes the thinking a little bit. You know, is Dahan part of the future? Is you know, Zadorov isn't going anywhere. He is, as Stan Bowman told us, Hawks quote unquote property, and he's young and cheap enough that they're going to keep working with him. But you know. Yeah, you could flip Soderberg at the deadline. You could flip Yanmark at the deadline. You could flip a lot of these guys. You're not going to get a lot for them. You're not going to get first round picks. I mean, it's still amazing to think about. This keeps coming up because Bodan and uh, 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 is having a good year. But the fact that the Hawks got 
the two legitimate players, Philip Kurashev and Bodan out of Ryan Hartman. They got a first round pick out of Ryan Hartman. You're not getting a first round pick out of Carl Soderberg or uh, or Matthias Yanmark or Lucas Walmark. So you're talking about depth guys, picks that you might not see for a few years. There's no game changers. They don't have a guy that they could trade that would be a game changer at the trade deadline. So uh, I wouldn't get too excited about it. You're looking at picks, mid-round picks, and I think they will wind up making a few of those kind of moves. It also depends on how, I mean, I'm sure they already have an idea how they're going to plan out for the expansion draft. So if there's someone there that they feel like they aren't going to protect, protect they, they might trade them now to get to get some right. value for them. So I, I think that's, uh, and, and I think that's also part of the next question that we, we have about is, um, it's a long question. Basically, the questions about if if they can waive, uh, at, at convince Seabrook to waive his no movement clause, um, and then the, you protect Keith Murphy, Zidoff, and Carlson, uh, but it would mean exposing Hagel, Kampf, and Nylander. Uh, Doing the mental math in my head, I can't even keep track anymore. But I think I think they're going to protect. I mean, they're going to. I think they're more likely to expose a defenseman now than Hagel or. Or, or Camp or Nylander. Like, I think they still see... I, I, Camp's an interesting one. I mean, Camp's really good defensively, but he still can't produce, and I don't know if that's going to change. So maybe he's always going to drive your fourth line, but I, I think they've seen enough from Hagel now, and uh, they have too much invested in Nylander and high hopes for him that I, I think they're still more likely to expose a defenseman like i just uh, when, when you look at who's coming in the system and the contracts coming up like like even like the hot and murphy like it's um as you know like they're playing well now but their contracts are coming up again and the blackhawks have to make them some decisions do you do you want to sign those guys into their 30s and do you want to um yeah i mean they'll probably have the, the same sort of thoughts they had to put into signing some of the core now like the, those guys are going to want some some longer deals and some security so uh, i'm sure the blackhawks i don't think they want to resign all those guys and then also block the path for for younger guys when you know as well as alex Velasic's playing at, at bu and 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 high hopes they have for these other defensemen i i think some of that's all going to come into play too so i think um i think a lot of it i, I think they won't expose the forwards because those, those guys are definitely part of the future. I'm not so sure that some of those defensemen are. You know, you've been casually slipping Alex Vlasic into the, the conversation a lot lately in your stories and whatnot. Like, what, where do you think, you're, you're the prospect guru, has he really rocketed up the charts here? Is he like uh, in that next wave that's gonna, that we're going to see in Chicago soon? Yeah, I mean, I, he's having a good sophomore. I mean, the problem is that he just hasn't played a whole lot. Just like a, a BU is probably the one college that's been impacted by COVID more than anyone. They just, they haven't played enough games, but he's uh, he's certainly played better he's more consistent i actually just talked mark mark eden about him the other day and um you know he, he certainly was raving about just you know how much he's improved as a sophomore and um you know he's playing the power play now he's scoring some goal he's it's not really his game but you know i, I think he's better with the puck and uh, i mean he's just he's a massive defenseman and, and and the fact that he can he can you know he, he can control the puck a bit and he can move it and um you know he, he's definitely got the size that they want and um you know he may spend another year at bu just because they didn't see enough or you know or, or feel like he could benefit from another year in college but i also wouldn't be surprised if he comes out um you know i'd like to probably do a deeper dive deeper dive on him soon but I, you know, he's, he's a second round pick too. It's not like this, you know, he was a guy who played yep. for the uh, national, the U S national team uh, development program, you know, was uh, a second round pick. So it's, um, I mean, it's no different than, you know, I mean, Blackhawks don't hit on every second round pick, but they've, they've had some success with the Brinkett and Ian, um, Ian Mitchell and, you know, Velasic was, was another high pick. So like him, 
him eventually panning out wouldn't be a complete surprise. And, um, you know, he was going to be part of, uh, he would have been a part of the U.S. Uh, World 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 Junior Team this year too, if he, you know if if uh, if uh, Boston didn't have a little bit of a BU didn't have a bit of outbreak on COVID too. So, um, you know, I, I don't think he's uh, he's a massive uh, a surprise that he's he's coming around. But it just you now it's a question of how long you know it takes him to get there. But I, I think the Blackhawks have shown a willingness now to accelerate some of their defensemen where. You know, when Duncan Keith and Jarmus and all those guys, they'd spend a couple of years in uh, in the AHL, and I, I think the, the path is a little bit different now. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they signed Velasque in the year two, and, and he's, you know, maybe he's someone who factors in a lineup. But, yeah, he certainly, I, I think he's in their, uh, when, when they're thinking of the next few years and their future, I think he's in those plans. All right, we're running a little long. Let's hit to one voicemail real quick. Hey, guys, this is Matt from up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, love the content. Uh, I'm just wondering uh, what you guys think of the Blackhawks' center situation. Obviously, in an ideal world, we aren't with Otaves and Doc this year. But, uh, and, you know, obviously there's that chatter to be taken with a grain of salt for now, but has a lot of Hawks fans wondering, worst-case scenario, if Jonathan Taves isn't able to return uh, anytime soon or even at all. What do you think uh, is Stan Bowman's approach to that? Obviously, drafting Doc third overall, you think the plan is for him to be the future uh, number one center, but of course he's only 20, missing a large portion of this year. Uh, do you target that through the draft, wait for Doc to develop and hope he takes on that role, uh, perhaps if he is suitor? Uh, where do you think that role is filled if Taves isn't able to return, and is that something that's addressed immediately or sort of over time? Uh, I think we'd all agree the ideal scenario is a Taves return, Doc has a little bit more time for development and sort of doesn't have that pressure to take on that role right away. Uh, but if that isn't an option, how do you think uh, Stan Bowman may approach that and where they go from there? Okay, I have I have two notes. First of all, <laughs> I love how everyone from Canada says they're in, like, he said, I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. They always say that as if we don't know any cities in Canada. I love that. I, I appreciate that. Second of all, he set the bar really high. I think he was like playing piano and, you know, <laughs> drinking from a snifter of brandy while he was doing that. The, the, the ambient noise was beautiful. Um, I don't I don't think center depth is an issue with this team, to be honest with you. They, they've got a lot of centers. I mean, obviously... You lose Jonathan Taze. We don't know what's going on there. But if you if you were hypothetically speaking not to get Jonathan Taze back, that's a huge blow to the center death. But you've got Kirby Doc. You've got Dylan Strom. You've got Philip Kurashev. You've got David Camp. I mean Ryan Carpenter's a center. They got a ton of guys who are also centers. Pia Suter has been your number one center this year, and he's doing a pretty good job of it. I don't think that that's really a huge concern that they would have to target right away. I mean, you can never have enough centers. But I don't think it's really a terribly huge concern. They need scoring. They need people who can come in and score, whether it's wing or center. They need scoring first and foremost. I think that's where the, the target's going to be. Any goals you can find, go find them. And the, the other part is that Kirby Dock was, was arguably the number one center in the playoffs last year. Um, and from an ice time perspective, especially at 5-on-5, five five, like he started getting the bulk uh, I think he was he, he had more average ice time than Taves in the playoffs. So I, I think you know Carlton was starting to lean on Doc in that role, um, and, and that's this is an, obviously this is another big piece of the puzzle when we're talking about the future is that we we don't know what what Taves you know what it looks like for him going on and you know how long he's dealing with whatever he is and. Um, I, and the other hard part is that Stan Bowman, like like it's it's Zach Smith's contract now, it's Taves' contract, it's Shaw. Like there's a lot of money that they they just aren't able, they're really not tapping into. Like there's a lot of cap space that is it's on IR on LTIR. So, um, 
I don't know how the Blackhawks address that. I guess, you know, maybe they'll have a better sense of Taves' timeline after the season, but I feel like those are all parts of the equation too. And, um, you know, how they, uh, you know, Taze is out for a long period of time. Do they, do they figure out how they use the LTIR differently? Do they, um, you know, is, is there, are there more rentals you can get to, you know, like there, there's different ways to approach it. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, there's definitely center depth there, whether the center depth's tops, you know, top six or how do you, you know, part of it's even face-offs now. I mean, that's, um, you know, like I guess we can argue again how how important nah. faceoffs are, but it's it's <laughs> like like at, at some point you still want guys who can win in, you know a, a sure. key faceoff in the on the penalty kill and those type of things. So, um, but um, yeah, you know the fact that Suter's coming around and Kurashev and um, like there's center depth there, and 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 I think Doc is going to be legit number one. But um, yeah, I mean they they certainly would be better if Dave's gets back. So yeah, I, I just you know I I know like this is going to be a constant question throughout the year, and I. And and I I know the Blackhawks and, and certainly us would love to provide some kind of answers and it, it just seems it's hard to even project without having that piece of information. So well, uh, go read Scott's story on Mark Eaton and uh, get some cool insight into how the player development process works. I know it's a question we get a lot, so it's cool to see that kind of deep dive. Um, I've got a big project in the works. You'll see in a couple of weeks. We've got lots of good stuff planned. Um, in the meantime, email us at lazandpowers at gmail.com. Call us at 714-759-4529 uh, and get a subscription to The Athletic. If you're listening and you're not a subscriber, you should subscribe. You can get a deal for just $3.99 a month at theathletic.com slash lazandpowers. Uh, until next time, he's Scott. I'm Mark. We'll see you. See ya. I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit.